0: your spirit, one spirit, is in this very room. In this very room. In this very room. And I invite you to just take a moment and feel your heartbeat. Ground your awareness in your physical being. And dropping down into that center, to that core, into that that life-giving energy that resides in our our very core of being. What I affirm and know and speaking in the I am for each person here is I recognize and I use my spoken word to activate and impress upon this infinite divine intelligence the following ideas that I hold as precious and true. That there is one life, one power, one activity. That life is perfect. That life is God, spirit, whatever I call it. It does not carry. It is a vibrational frequency. So my words are an attempt to match that frequency. So I open myself in this moment to the presence of love, to the presence of beauty, to the presence of joy, creativity, opportunity, abundance. And I just give thanks. I give thanks knowing this day is blessed in every good way. I'm grateful for all of the teachers whose wisdom and consciousness have, have given birth to what we celebrate this day, this beautiful community, this beautiful movement where people's lives are being changed and transformed before our very eyes. This is a day of transformation because I declare it so. I make myself available to that which is guiding, directing, resourcing, and inspiring me to, to identify, develop, and share my unique, powerful, beautiful gift. For this, I give thanks And I invite you to say with me, and so it is. Awesome. Good morning. Welcome. I decided that I would dress like it was spring, whether it was snowing or not today. So, a vision, a world that works for everyone, and a mission, awakening humanity to its spiritual magnificence, teach and live from love. So today we're talking about harmony with oneself. So, in the spirit of harmony with oneself, what I'm going to invite you to do is engage in a very powerful and simple spiritual practice right now. I'm going to invite you to stand up and find someone nearby that looks like they could use your support and assistance. All right. I'm going to wait till everybody stands up and does that. There we go. There we go. So as you partner, as you partner with that person, I want you to look in their eyes and say, Look what God has made thank you for being here today thank you for being at this service it would not be the same without you thank you for taking form on this earth it would not be the same without you you have love to share you have gifts to share you have power to reveal And you have potential to develop. Bless you. Let's make the world a better place. Yeah, there we go. Okay, good work. So do you feel any different now than you did two minutes ago? Yeah, because what happens is we recognize the divinity in one another. And we speak words of love and truth to one another. Because despite all that's happened, it's gone before and is going to come after, when we celebrate our divinity, it's what it says in the Scripture with Matthew, where two or more are in agreement. So when we come into agreement through the spoken word and we look into one another's eyes, whatever we convey becomes part of the, the, the consciousness, the frequency of that. So it's a beautiful thing to do. It used to drive me crazy when, when we used to do that, when I first found one of these, these crazy centers for spiritual living. <laughs> it wasn't called that then. It's like, oh man, don't force me to do that, but... It's such a powerful thing to do, and I've made peace with it. So if you're uncomfortable with it, I totally get it. But push through it anyway, because you're more than that. You know, you can, be, you can be irritated and still do it. You know what I mean? It's like, if, it, there's this idea that if we're irritated, there's something wrong. You could be irritated. People, I know people that are irritated all day long. It's okay. It's just irritation. All right, so here we go. Yeah, we've just got a wonderful, wonderful uh, month as we start this month, and we had a beautiful Easter. And I want to tie some of the Easter ideas into what we're doing today. So it's exci- I'm, I'm always delighted. This is my note. This is my note I get to sing. So I'm really excited about that. So Harmony with oneself is our, our theme for the month. And, and so today we're doing discovery of one's passions. Next week playing in the discovery. And then the third one is living from the discovery. And is Audrey going home? My granddaughter's here with my daughter-in-law, Joe, right there. So is she going home or just going back? Okay, good. Audrey, I'll see you a bit later. That's, she's about six months now? Anyway, she's, I'm just saying, but I think she's the most beautiful baby on the planet. So, <laughs> just, But I may be a little biased. Anyway, she's, it's her first service, and she, and she stayed for the first one, so thank you. Thank you. I had nothing to do with it, but thank you. And then the last Sunday, we were having uh, Reverend Dr. Pat Campbell come up from Calgary. Now, I know that their hockey team beat our hockey team, but in a month, I think we'll have all forgotten that anyway, so... No? Okay. <laughs> well, you know, we got to hold on to some things, don't we? All right. So today is discovering one's passions. And so we're talking about what that means. Why is that important? Why the heck? What's the big deal about a, discovering a passion? And then some of the examples and also a, a beautiful practice today that I want to share with you because we got we to practice this stuff. And it's all about what we practice. I mean, some of us are practicing the resenting the hockey team that beat our hockey team last night, and you can do that, because God says you go for it, and how's that working for you, as Dr. Phil would say. So discovery of one's passion, wonderful idea. Last week, if you recalled, I talked about this divine nature that we all have, and I used nature, and I used the butterflies. If you were here, I had this beautiful slide of butterflies, and the butterflies used to be caterpillars. And so the beautiful idea and the, and the metaphor and the story of the, the caterpillar becoming the butterfly, and see, the, the caterpillar can only become a butterfly. That's all it can be. A monarch butterfly was a monarch caterpillar. And in the mind of God, that's in the, in the DNA of that, the structure of that potentiality, that's all it can be. Now, it can choose once it's a butterfly to fly wherever it wants, but it's not going to be anything but a butterfly. The same thing with these, these flowers up here. We've got a slide of some flowers. These flowers can only be the flowers that you're going to see up there. And the difference, as I mentioned last week, was that we have to choose. You and I have to choose. We have to choose, but it also chooses us. There's a reciprocity. We are the most sophisticated form of life on the planet. So we don't choose our wildest stream. I'm talking about wildest stream right now. So if if you have pushed your wildest stream away because it's too wild, I'm just inviting you to pull it back out today and look at it a little bit. We don't choose our wildest dream, it chooses us. It chooses us. And I'm gonna share some examples of that that I think are, are, uh, speak to that beautifully. They point us towards our natural environment. And when we're not using our deep, deeper gifts, we find ways to d- distract ourselves. Uh, you, you can play golf. Well, I love to play golf. But you can play golf but you will never fill that hole that you're after when you're playing golf. It'll never bring the satisfaction. You can shop till you drop. A lot of people like to shop. It's one of their spiritual practices. But you cannot buy freedom. Because as Dr. Holmes said beautifully in our textbook, freedom is our our inherent nature. We want to live in freedom. You know, for me, what do I love? What do I love? I love to be in the freedom of life despite what's going on, despite what's in my checking account, despite the, the, the good opinions of others. But to stand in that freedom. But it seems almost impossible to do that at times. So when we're connected with our purpose, it gives us something more interesting, I think, to think about and to focus on. Because you can even hire a life coach. I know many people here have a life coach. But you still got to live life. Don't you know I mean? I always say it's a good thing to hire a life coach just for one week because they give you all the information, tell you what to do. But then you don't have, there's no accountability. It works better that way. You know, it's like <laughs> Thanks for all the information. I'll take that under serious consideration. I'll call you back when I'm ready. Somebody's chuckling up here. I know they have a life coach. Because yeah. there's a lot of pressure. You, all of a sudden you come into agreement with someone and then you've got to commit and follow through. Ooh, I love the idea. So, just, just saying. There are those who don't want to turn on, the, there, are those that just, uh, there are people on the planet that choose not to turn on the news but want to be the news. That are willing to step up and and be seen and and make a difference. But how many people just fall asleep, and I've done it too, you fall asleep in the news and what's going on, and all of a sudden life looks overwhelming, the muchness of it. (sighs) But there's something within all of us that says something unique. You have a note to play. You have a special note to play. Some of these people, examples of it, Gandhi's over here, Gandhi, you must be the change you wish to see in the world. Martin Luther King, some beautiful, the Dalai Lama, Mother Teresa, whether we like them or not. But they answered something within them, they answered something within them that the status quo of life would say, you're out of your mind. I mean, they gave their lives to something. It lifted them up. I've got my, if you notice the summertime shirt, I've got my cup here. It says, make today ridiculously amazing. I need that so I can read it every once in a while when I get lost. Oh, that's what I'm doing. I'm making this ridiculously Amazing. We all need reminders. But there have been some wonderful leaders when we connect with our potentiality, when we connect with that vibrancy that is seeking expression. And don't confuse it with celebrity. One of the temptations I used last week for Easter was the three temptations of Christ. And he was off in the desert, which means it was a quiet time for him. And one of them was this idea, go ahead and throw yourself off the mountain. And we know that the angels will save you. And when that happens, you'll be famous. You will be a celebrity. I mean, is celebrity not one of the things that we worship on this planet right now? Who's in the news? Who are we hearing about? And, it, and it's, it's intoxicating. It doesn't even matter if we're doing a good thing. It's just people are noticing. You know, and, and, and that's that trap we can fall into. So I'm not talking about celebrity in terms of our passion. I think that celebrity can come out of our passion, but they're completely separate ideas. I don't think that Mahatma Gandhi was looking to be a celebrity. He stood for something. He just said, you know, we can do this. We can shift and change this entire culture. We can do it with nonviolence because we've become clearer and clearer about who we are and whose we are. Great example. I get my hair standing up on my arms talking about him. So it's about that living from our calling. We become fully alive regardless of the obstacles in our lives. What do we long to be in right now? And living from. As Thomas Keeves, who inspired the book this month, Inspired and Unstoppable, Thomas says, Well, maybe I watched too much Oprah, but the, this has been my path. You have, to, uh, you have more to give. You have a built in divine assignment to apply all of your gifts and realize your exponential capacity. We all do. We all do. And to, and to discount it and to, to settle and to, for whatever reason, and not to keep it alive within ourselves. Doesn't serve anybody. Doesn't mean we have to run out and cha- do wholesale changes right now. Because I'm going to. Well, I'll tell you Thomas' story first. Thomas Keeves, who wrote this book, inspired and unstoppable. She was the the number one graduate at Harvard Law School. Brilliant, brilliant woman. I've seen her live, and I'm reading her books now, and I love her books. And so she was doing her law work, and she was working for this big firm, and she was on the fast track to become a partner, and all of the things that look successful when you step onto that step through that door but something was dying within her. Something felt that that was not being fulfilled and she just knew it. And so she stepped out of that and decided that she wanted to be a best-selling author. She wanted to lecture, she wanted to do workshops, she wanted to help support other people in awakening to their unique gift so they could play their note. And so what happened over time is she stepped away, she got a book written, and she sent the book off to a publisher and she got a letter back from this pu- publisher, and it was a publisher she felt comfortable with approaching. It wasn't like one of the top publishers. It was like, you know, one of the medium publishers, but felt like it was a good fit. And, and lo and behold, a couple weeks go by, and she gets a, this email back, or probably a letter at that time, and that said, let's dance. Let's do the dance. Let's get together and do this thing. And so she said, hmm. Something within her, when she saw that, said, hmm. I think I've got some questions before we dance. And so she wrote back and said, you know, I've got a few questions. I'd like to ask you about a few things. And she didn't hear anything back for a while, but then she got another correspondence and says, you know what? I've changed my mind. I don't want to work with you because you're going to be high maintenance. Um, And so she was kind of surprised and shocked. But what happened was what triggered in her, she said, you know what? I'm going to go to the top of the list of publishers and I'm going to submit my book to all of them. So it took that, that disappointment and that sort of shock of energy to come into her life, and she did that. And lo and behold, the number one publisher on her list that she never thought was, it was possible wrote her back and said, let's do it. I love your book. We love your book. We've passed it around the office. It's incredible. And so she's like, so right away, you know, and we have these experiences when we, we step out in faith and we have these great experiences. We go, man, I got it. I got this. I'm, I'm in my groove. I'm in the, I, I'm in the grid. I've got, oh, the, the heavens have lined up, and this is right and perfect, and God is with me in every good way, and all of the things that go on. Some of the magical thingy that goes on with this because it's just a, you know, it's just an event. And she says, fast forward about four months later, and all of a sudden I got my book published, and I write off to this uh, this workshop, they're doing a, a great big event, kind of like uh, the th- stuff they do at the Shaw here, you know, with the various speakers sometimes. Um, and so she's trying to get into this event with her book and do a presentation. And, the, and the, the title of it is Living Your Inspired Life or something like that in the book. And so she writes off and she's all excited about this and she gets a letter back from the people that want to help people live their inspired life and says, no, we don't want you for our workshop presentation." <laughs> she said, so she went from the heights of it to the depth of despair and disappointment. But as she said in the book, don't fall into the trap of the successes and what appears to be failures because when you're in alignment with your purpose, when you're in line with the, the vitality, you just simply do it because that's who you are. You've made the agreement. But we have to choose it. We have to choose it. And we don't just get to choose it once because many times we have to convince ourselves of the thing. That's why it takes practice. We have to choose. Makes sense, though, doesn't it? Because it takes time to unravel. I used a little bit of the story of the Jews that wandered for 40 years in the desert. The reason that they wandered for 40 years in the desert, it's a metaphor. And what it represents is they went from slavery to being the chosen people. It took 40 years. It took a long time for them to catch up in consciousness to the idea of being the chosen one instead of being a slave. In fact, Moses said, I'm going to have to let this generation die because we ain't going to get there with these guys. I can't take this group to the promised land because they are too entrenched in being slaves. Isn't that a great example of a, a biblical um, metaphor, an example? So it took a while. So that's a bit of Thomas' story. And then she, Thomas Keeves, she went on and she's out there writing. She's speaking in the San Jose Church with the Reverend Dr. David Brunner today. So she's around our communities and so let me give you some examples. In this book, and I pulled this out of, uh, and I love this beautiful um, slide of some, of some galloping horses. I love the energy of that, because I think when we're, we're tapped into our purpose, it's, we're galloping, there's movement, there's forward momentum, there's an eager anticipation of the greater yet to be. And so in this, he talks about, and this comes from uh, Ken Robinson's work, uh, the book Elements. And in Elements, he's talking about the alignment of one's, Uh, passions with one's inherent talents, they meet. He calls that the elements, and he's got example after example in his book. You dream big because you are big. You dream big because you are big. Holmes said we would not have the idea if it didn't already exist in the mind of the one. The prototype is already there. We capture it intuitively, and then it's like, hmm, I don't want to run with that. That's too much work. Or maybe not. Maybe I can't do that. But you dream big because you are big. So he talks about Paul McCartney. Anybody here ever hear of Paul McCartney? Yeah. So Paul McCartney's in school in, in, in London, and Ken Robinson went to school the same time he did at different uh, institutions. And so what, what McCartney found is he was in the uh, London Conservatory, let's say. I, I don't think that's what it is, but something like that. It starts with London. I know it's London in there. <laughs> anyway, but he would go to study music. He'd go to music class, and he said it was so boring, and they would play these old 78s of classical music and it would be cracking and popping and everybody would be sitting in their chair really quiet listening and the professor would be droning on about the various movements and the beautiful piece of, and, and all that's great stuff. But McCarty said there was no inspiration, there was no traction for him. He couldn't connect with it at all. So what he would do is he'd leave class, he'd go home and he'd get in his room and he'd play his guitar and he'd listen to rock and roll because that's what he was interested in. And lo and behold, over time, he did that and did that, and that became his practice. He'd go to school, because you have to. If you ever had parents that say, you've got to get up and go to school? I had the same thing. I hated that. But that's what happened. So he found a way to, so it was inherent. I think our passions and our gifts, our note to play, are so much a part of ourselves that sometimes we don't see them. So over time, he met John Lennon they started playing together and then they hooked up with George Harrison and then they, they went through a couple of drummers and they found Ringo and now we have the Beatles. And that's a beautiful, amazing story. And, and Ken Robinson in the book Elements talks about he spoke the same evening Paul McCartney came back to the school that had closed down and then McCartney came back and said, you know what, I got some money. I have the means. I would like to see this school re-enlivened and, and resourced and staffed with what I think could be a much more effective and inspiring way to identify passions. and So he's put a lot of his resources into this particular school. So isn't it beautiful, he didn't give up on it, he didn't say it's bad and wrong, he just realized, you know what, there's something, something more interesting might wanna happen here. Elvis Presley, oh, when McCartney tried to join, as a matter of fact, when he was in this school, he tried to join the school choir. And they told him, no, because you don't sing well enough to sing with our choir. Same thing happened to Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley tried to join the, the choir at school. They said, no, nah, no, nah, you're going to mess up our sound. Go away. There's no room for Elvis in this choir. Can, can you imagine whoever that was that told them to go away? <laughs> I know Elvis. Yeah, I told him he couldn't sing with us. John Cleese. John Cleese, the, the, one of the leaders of Monty Python. You know, minister of funny walks. I love that. Uh, I, you know, I... I like a lot of the, the Monty Python stuff. But John Cleese said he went from kindergarten through Cambridge, and no one ever knew he had a sense of humor. Never encouraged, never invited, never welcomed. But what I'm saying is I think they're great examples of, there's something within us that's alive that is seeking fulfillment. And sometimes the environment we're in doesn't support it or doesn't welcome it. But it's not, it's not about us in those situations because it's, if it sticks with us, it's ours to do. But, but to think that because the opportunity isn't showing up that we're hallucinating or it's not for us is completely, uh, it's just inappropriate thinking because we know. So it's inherent. Such a great thing that we know it's alive in us and, and so it, it, it incubates, it stays alive if it's true for us, if it's ours to carry and to do. So they're great examples of that. So I want to share with you a practice. This is a wonderful practice from Tam Akif's book. And it is called Inspired Inner Dialogues. Inspired Inner Dialogues. There he is, that beautiful horse. Inspired Inner Dialogues. So the idea being to talk, you and I, to develop the vocabulary and the communication lines with our inspired self that that part of us that genius that that direct communication with a higher wisdom self that divine sense of presence that we we affirm and know each each sunday when we come together and in our spiritual practices here but to talk to our inspired self because that inspired self is the most generous and useful conversation she said it is the most important thing we can do is to stop each day and have a conversation and say you know what Inspired in self, what's there for me to know here? Especially, she said, when you were having fears and anxieties. to said, take our fears and lack and limitation to the inspired inner self and say, what's for me to do here? What's going on? I've been doing that since I read this a few days ago. And the message I get back is, man, you are doing so good. Oh, just relax, chill out. You're doing great. Isn't that a lovely place to go? She said, uh, Thomas says, don't let anger and depression have the last word on any given day. So when you're going to bed and you're angry and you're depressed, don't let yourself fall asleep in that. Go to that inspired. I'm going to have a conversation right now with my inspired self. Thank you so much for being there. Let's close our eyes for a moment. I'm just going to invite you to close your eyes. It's helpful if you uncross your legs, if your legs are crossed, because there's an energetic block when we cross our legs. And just turn to your inspired inner self. You could call it the wise one, the inspired teacher, the advocate, your beloved, your success coach extraordinaire, God, spirit. Just, and just if there's something troubling you, say, what's, for, what's, what's there for me to know about this? What's the truth of this? What's the truth of my being in this situation? That's all the time it takes to have that little conversation. You can do it in meditation as well, but you have to choose it and turn in that direction. So, as you come back in the room and open your eyes, did anyone get any insight into what was happening? A message? Nobody. All right. <laughs> Kate, what did you what did you hear? Um, what I heard I spoke, an life, I enough. you're enough, and I live an abundant life. Yeah, that's what the that's what you're going to hear from. Did anybody hear you're an idiot? Because <laughs> you could, but it, that's not your inspired self. See, we can go in there, and sometimes another another presence shows up. So when you you're too stupid or whatever, or not enough. That's the critical parent. And once you would identify, oh, there's a critical parent, you go, oh, thank you so much for sharing. Go stand over here for a while because I'm, I'm having a conversation with my inspired self right now, which is divine and beautiful, that is eternal, that is blessing me, and I'm opening myself up to that vibration right now like never before. I, I, man, the hair on my arms keeps standing up. This is, I'm getting the, the God bumps as I stand before you talking about this. So it's interesting when, you, when, when we're, we're having the experience and talking about the experience. But it's so simple to develop. And she said, Thomas, says that's the most important practice we can have in our lives. What is my inspired wisdom? So going to bed at night, and you're, you're mulling things over, try, can't get to sleep, whatever, fixing, manipulating, blaming, shaming, whatever it may be. And to go to that space and go, I need to talk to my inspired living, uh, that inspired Inner dialogue to that teacher, that inspired teacher that lives within me. And the beautiful thing is when we turn there, it's an invitation. We have to invite it. It It doesn't show up on its own. We have to invite it. Sometimes it gets an opening to get our awareness. You'll hear in stories where it'll get an opening because we go completely into despair and we finally completely surrender and the message can come through. But we don't have to exhaust ourselves to get to it. We can, it can be a practice that we can use consistently. You see, it doesn't care what we call it. Isn't that the beautiful thing we honor? We say we honor all traditions. It doesn't care if we call it Buddha, Krishna, Shiva, goddess God. It doesn't care. It's a vibration. It's an experience. We're the ones that care about that. It doesn't care. Because it's love beauty, it's creativity. We are a movement of love. At the end of the day, we're a movement of love. That's what we stand for. Wanna know what our religion is? It's love. It really is. I mean, I you know, there's a lot of ways to fall into the traps of judgment and comparison and all that, and who's right and who's wrong, but at the end of the day it's love. And it doesn't care what we call it, it only cares that we call. It only cares that we call. Well, if we don't ask if we don't say come on in it's this beautiful presence i'm going to go to that that inspired inner dialogue with my teacher teacher what's there for me to know about this today cuz the other piece of it is uh, linda was telling me at between services there's a new movement called goya I, d- I didn't know about this thank you linda it's a new sacred practice goya you know what goya means get off your ass <laughs> <laughs> thank you linda Isn't that great? Yeah, she... she, Look (laughs) at... Natasha's taking notes over here. Good, Wendy. Very good. Wendy actually stood up. Um, But it's easy to fall into the trap of magical thinking. I thought it, I said the prayer, and it's going to fall into my lap. No, it requires our spiritual coin. It works. This teaching works, but when when we're not having the, the results that we're looking for... There's something within us that's alive in us that is keeping it away. And that's not a bad thing. That's the the beautiful thing about bringing mastery and discovery to our lives. We are here to live in the fullness of this life and to be a a conduit and outlet for divine blessing and love upon the planet. It's so easy to get trapped in the politics of what God looks like and what God represents. And yeah, and, and I mean, there's old, old, the old. Give me that old time religion. I don't know. But there's such beauty and grace when we can see it from a perspective of understanding. There's value in all of it. But it's not to separate us. If our, if our religion is separating us, it's not, our, it, it's not sacred. <sighs> she, Thomas says write your fears and concerns to yourself, to your inspired self, and write back to yourself as that voice and answer those concerns. That's how Neil Donald Waltz wrote uh, Conversations with God. He's going to be at the McDougal Church. That's what he did. He wrote a question, and he listened to that inspired self. Conversations with God. He's written, I don't know how many books, but a lot of them. Your inspired self is the most loving, and it's on your side. It's the most loving voice you can possibly imagine. It's just saying, man, you have done so much, so much good. Give yourself a break. Cut yourself some slack. Just... Take a moment to breathe into the, the, the richness of life, that vitality, that joy. It's, it's a conversation that you and I would say to a best friend or some that we care deeply about. I mean, how many times have you had a best friend that's really struggling? I mean, and you may have, but I don't think, you know, as we grow and we mature, to be a voice of encouragement and to be a place where we can just hold the space together and say, you're going to get through this. this is, you're more than this. You're amazing. But it's that, that relationship to develop. The more you do the practice, the more real this voice becomes to you. Inspired inner dialogues. So, today we talked about discovering our passion because there's a vitality there. There's a, there's a richness there, a aliveness there. Next week I'm going to talk about the three limitations from Ken, uh, from Ken Robinson. There's three limitations around this and how we play in it. Because we want to understand not only... We have to choose it. We have to consciously choose it and continue to choose it. Ken Robinson, once again, it's it's the element where personal passion and natural aptitude meet. It is not arrogant. Marianne Williamson. It is not arrogant to believe that you're infinitely creative. Brilliant. Brilliant. That means really bright. Brilliant. And potentially perfect through the grace of God. And so the interesting thing on the way this is set up is that when we, we align ourselves more and more uh, closely with that one note that is ours to sing, we are aligning ourselves. It's, it's the same as spiritual practice. We're aligning ourselves with the grace of God. So they're not, counter, they're not in opposition to one another. It's exactly why we've shown up. And there's a sense of well-being. There's a sense of grace. There's a sense of knowing who we are and whose we are to put down the struggle and to play in it. We must choose it over and over and over again until the practice becomes a way of being. That's why practices are so important. It may not involve celebrity. I mean, there's some amazing people on the planet that do amazing things that we never hear of, but they are aligned with their purpose. That's such a beautiful thing. Teachers, coaches. I'm always reminded of Joey Moss over there, the, the Assistant equipment manager for the Oilers, you know, you'll see Joey singing the National Anthem. You know, and he's got, I've got a sister that has uh, Down syndrome, and I know Joey does too. So it's always near and dear to my heart to see Joey, you know, in that environment where he's been given a space to fulfill his purpose. And so we know about him, and he has um, uh, fallen into a bit of celebrity, but not because he chose it, but because his desire to be part of something bigger than himself had found an outlet. It's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. The more you choose to believe in your path, the more reasons you'll have to believe. The more you choose to believe in your path, the more reasons you'll have to believe. Because it becomes an experience, becomes a way of life. Thomas says, I urge you to stay true to your integrity. You know what's important to you. That's what's important to your integrity. I urge you to listen to what only you know inside. That's why that, that inner dialogue is so important. You dream big because you are called. You dream big because you are big. It doesn't matter if you feel like a frightened beginner, a star spangled fool, or a beaten, wilted cabbage in the sun. It's not about knowing how to make it happen or being worthy. You didn't choose this dream. It shows you. It shows you. Say yes to your only reality and unimaginable adventure. I'm signing up for the adventure. A friend of mine was sharing with me the other day about a bishop that she'd heard uh, quoted saying, you know what, I just always knew I'd be on a soapbox somewhere. He said, just so happened I ended up on this soapbox. And, it, and I heard this story, with, yeah, that's my story. Because I love talking about this stuff. I love exploring this and looking at it and tying it together and stripping it down and saying, wow, this is awesome. What a great thing to talk about. How can I serve? Say yes to the ride. You belong in the, in the life of your dreams and you don't belong anywhere else. That is so true and so it is. Blessings.